You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Terminator Dark Fate. My name is Sarah Connor. August 29, 1997. It was supposed to be Judgment Day. But I changed the future. Saved three billion lives. Enough of a resume for you. No. You may have changed the future, but you didn't change our fate. I know you're scared, but I'm here to protect you. I've never seen one like you before. Almost human. I am human. Just enhanced. Why do you care what happens to her? Because I was her. Sarah! I can see you're very upset. I'm going to help you protect the girl. Nobody else is gonna die because of me! If you don't make it, everybody dies! Expect a big pain, brother. The whole body's a weapon. When this is all over, I am going to kill you. I understand. I'll be back. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Terminator Dark Fate, and the story is as follows. Sarah Connor and a hybrid cyborg human must protect a young girl from a newly modified liquid Terminator from the future. The film is starring Linda Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mackenzie Davis, Natalia Reyes, Gabrielle Luna, and Diego Benetta. It is directed by Tim Miller, and it is written by David S. Goyer, Justin Rhodes, and Billy Ray. Joining me for this podcast review, I have... Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Josh, we're, we're, we're back to reviewing the mainstream blockbuster films that no one else at Next Best Picture <laughs> wants to do with us. Yep, yet another grenade that I decided to fall on. <laughs> oh, come on. It wasn't that terrible, was it? No, it's, it's not that bad, but I think it is very telling that nobody else really seemed to jump up to want to volunteer to review this one. Well, part of this is on me as well, because uh, this weekend we had like a lot of choices to make in terms of what we were going to review versus what we just can't can't fit into our schedule and um, there were two releases this weekend with Harriet and Motherless Brooklyn and you know not everyone was going to be able to get to see those and it just like at the end of the day I was like let's just go with the movie that's going to make probably the most money (laughs) (laughs) you know and and, and you know what I think there is enough interesting stuff to discuss here just in terms of uh, this reoccurring trend that we're seeing in uh, Hollywood blockbusters lately and relying on films that we have a nostalgic 
and admiration for. Uh, we see it a lot with movies like uh, It. We're getting it with like Doctor Sleep next week. Um, now we're seeing it here with Terminator Dark Fate. One of the things also too is like kind of reoccurring is like we've seen it a lot like in the horror genre. Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis last year was like another one I could think of. And in its own sort of a way, the original Terminator, you know, it's not a horror film per se. Um, it's definitely in that like sci-fi fantasy action uh, type of uh, movie. But there is something uh, in terms of like what the Terminator always represented, right? Of like this like almost of a Michael Myers unstoppable killer force just constantly like chasing you down. Um, but it kind of like, you know, blended its way in into uh, the action, uh, like I said, sci-fi genre. It's a beloved franchise, those first two films from James, Cam- uh, James Cameron. And Terminator 2, Judgment Day, you know, uh, just so that listeners are aware, um, is easily, for me, uh, one of my favorite action movies ever made. In fact, I think, for me, it's probably, like, in my top five action films of all time. I, I adore that movie so much. So, when we got Terminator Dark Fate which is supposed to be a direct sequel to Terminator uh, 2 Judgment Day. And it's totally disregarding the events of Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, Terminator Salvation, and Terminator Genesis. And James Cameron is coming back as a producer for the first time since Terminator 2. There's, was, there, was, there was a lot of expectations uh, going into this movie. Add into that Linda Hamilton returning, Arnold Schwarzenegger obviously being involved once again, and, you know, you have also, too, um, these badass female-centric heroes with Mackenzie Davis, Natalia Reyes, and, like I said, Linda Hamilton. It just felt like this had something a little bit more special with it that almost seemed like a recipe for success. Does it quite get there? <sighs> We're going to get into that. Josh, what I want to hear from you first is, like, what do you think of the Terminator uh, franchise and with everything I kind of like just said in terms of the build up and like all the ingredients coming together for this sequel. What did you ultimately think of Terminator Dark Fate? Yeah, uh, I think that I agree with the consensus that when it comes to Terminator movies, the first two are really the only good ones that people really like. And I think actually I would even go so far as to say that it's really Terminator 2 that does a lot of the heavy lifting, at least for me. Um, the yeah. first one does really feel like a low budget, like slasher film. And I'll be honest with you, it's usually not my favorite genre. So I don't really hold the first film in as, as much high regard as other people do. And to me, it's really the second one where it really comes together as just an incredible action movie. And I really do love that film. Yeah. The first one's like a really cool concept and I understand why it got like the following that it did. Um, nobody had ever really seen anything quite like it before, um, which is very, very great. Obviously, um, like, and like I was saying earlier, Hollywood today is not so much in the business of creating something that we haven't seen before, but more so resting on the laurels of uh, the great stuff that came before and just expanding upon that. And you're right. Terminator 2 really transcended the concept and gave us a sequel that wasn't necessarily more of the same, but just felt like its own thing. So much so that I know people that have only ever seen Terminator 2 and they've never even seen the first one. Yeah, it, it's a huge departure stylistically. I don't know about story wise, but just in terms of the style of those two movies, it's completely different. And I think it takes it up to a whole new level. And I think every other sequel that has come out has really 
struggle to recapture that. And I know for a lot of people, they point to the lack of Cameron's involvement as, as being a main reason for that. And when this new one came out, I know that there was some anticipation because it was Linda Hamilton returning, because James Cameron was now involved. I was still a little bit cautious because most Terminator sequels aren't very good. And I just was going by that precedent. And I, I don't think that Dark Fate is terrible, but I don't think it really adds that much more to this franchise that we haven't already seen. It really feels like they're still working with the same story that they have really been working with in all of these movies, frankly. And I don't think that they bring any more nuance to it. I feel like this is still the same thing that they've been talking about. And there are some well-executed action scenes that I liked. There are some performances in here that I think are pretty solid, but I don't think anything in this movie really does something special to warrant yet another kind of bland movie that tells basically the same story that they've been telling for over 30 years at this point. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this movie, actually, because some things I liked, some things I didn't like. And what it really just comes down to for me with Terminator Dark Fate at the end of the day here is it is badass. You know, there's something about uh, Linda Hamilton, Mackenzie Davis and Natalia Reyes, especially in that third act, just like taking ownership and really just commanding the screen physically and uh, also too emotionally uh, with their presence that really helps to give this um, a, a good flavor, especially for a 2019 modern day audience. I think the decision to set this in uh, Mexico City is also um, interesting. And I also think, too, the decision to have Mackenzie Davis's uh, character be like an augmented um, Terminator, if you will. It's like she she was once human and now she's been made into machine. Like there were some cool, nifty little upgrades here in the story. Nothing groundbreaking because, like you said, the core concept is still the same. An unstoppable killer machine is sent back to destroy someone who is going to be very, very important in the years to come, and someone else is also sent back to protect her. That's been the concept of every Terminator film that's mm-hmm. been made. And they can't really deviate from that so much, so what they what they have to do is they have to find interesting ways within the framework of that to tell a story that feels somewhat fresh, uh, but also rests, like I said, on the laurels of the success of the franchise. And I do think that for good portions of Dark Fate, they actually do succeed where I was watching and I was like, okay, this feels familiar, but not in a bad way. It feels familiar in a good way. And the little things that are different are making it feel fresh enough that it is helping this to stand on its own just a little bit more for me. A large reason for that, I think, is actually Tim Miller and the way that he does direct some of the action scenes, like you said. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. A lot of the action scenes in this, I don't really remember them at least not like a memorable action set piece in this movie that really stood out in my mind is like oh my gosh like that was one of the best action sequences i've ever seen they were all kind of like generic in their own way like i felt like i've seen them before there's like a highway chase scene that is directly ripped out of terminator 2 (laughs) but i also think that highway chasing is probably my favorite set piece in the film and i think mostly that's because it feels like that's the one that uses the most practical effects agreed yeah it's really really well done because it does harken back to you know as much as there are 
uh, groundbreaking visual effects in Terminator 2. There's a lot of great practical stuff in that movie as well. And that freeway chase, that freeway chase to me feels like the one that most captures that quality to me. I think my favorite, um, it, it probably is that, but I think another scene that I, I, I did like, uh, I did like the scene at the, just the chaos of the uh, deportation center scene. Mm-hmm. And cause just because of the amount of extras involved and the fact that um, the Terminator, uh, well, not the Terminator, he's uh, called the the Rev-9 in this movie, is just cutting through people left and right to get to his goal while all these like people try to stop him. Like, I was like, oh, this is just, this is chaos. Like, I, I was really, really enjoying that. It, it's like when when the movie decides to go big, uh, such as like a sequence that takes place like in the air, for example, that those those sequences for me didn't really work. It was like more of these on the ground, very personal scenes, uh, especially like in, in the final showdown, the ending or what they call it, the, the, the death, the kill box. Right. They call it. Yeah. Like that stuff really, really worked for me in this, uh, mostly because they were focusing on the individual characters very well. Yeah. The finale is a really well done sequence when they're in that. um like that factory at the, at the dam. Once again, harkens back to Terminator 2's ending a little bit. Yeah, I mean, even Terminator 1. Um, yeah, honestly, yeah. actually, I think every Terminator movie has ended in like some industrial factory. And that, as much as that sequence was impressive to me, it was also me kind of thinking, man, it's another movie in the Terminator movie that ends in a factory. And it's like, I, I get it, but I just sort of feel like at this point, it just seems like they're working with the same material. And I, I don't know if I would agree completely with you, Matt, that they really bring a whole lot more to the table in terms of the story that they're working with. I think there are cosmetic changes that they make, but I don't know what this movie is really saying about having the main character not be another machine, but be augmented. I don't think they really make any real commentary about somebody from the future who would embrace, you know, sort of new technology that is going up against technology that is antagonistic to people. Like, that's an interesting concept, but I don't think this movie really ever explores that at all on any kind of thematic level. It's just a plot device. Yeah, I agree that the idea is there because I felt it too. Um, they also, you know, uh, talk about how machines are replacing men in the beginning at the factory and stuff. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of commentary here on technology. And of course, like you were saying there uh, at the end as well, I think that just all comes down to the screenplay itself uh, by the three uh, writers. And I, I, I agree that the ideas are there because I certainly felt them, but they you're right. They don't actually dig deep. And if I am going to fault anything about this movie, it isn't the actors involved. It isn't Tim Miller's direction of the action sequences. It even isn't necessarily the story, uh, which apparently James Cameron had a hand in. It, it really is the screenplay. It really is the dialogue, especially the dialogue. Oh, my God. There, there are some eye-rolling, cheesy one-liners in this that I just... Like, the minute a character says, I'll be back, I was like, really? Like, oh, God. Like, this isn't the 1980s anymore where you need a cheesy one-liner uh, to sell an action moment, necessarily. Um, there's clunky exposition. There are leaps in logic where characters just way too easily go along with what the plot is calling for without asking questions. <laughs> There's just so many moments in this too, where 
uh, where the screenplay really, really wants to get a little bit more emotional, um, especially with Linda Hamilton's character and her relationship with her son, John Connor. There's like one scene where she's telling another character about how she's like forgetting uh, what his face looks like as a mother uh, thinking back on her son. And that scene just kind of like ends after that and it cuts away way too soon. And we don't really get to feel the emotional impact of that moment so much. And I, I just kept on like coming back to the screenplay just doesn't go deep enough in the same way that something like I felt Terminator 2 did extremely well. Yeah, it, the, the script has all of these ideas that could make for a much more interesting movie, but it doesn't ever really go that deep in, into it. And I really feel like that has been a problem with most of the Terminator sequels, because like even Genesis, which I think is a really bad movie, even that film, I think has probably the most interesting ideas of all of the movies, but it didn't do anything with them either. And I feel like this is another case of that, where I keep finding moments to make this a more complex story to tell, but it always defaults to the most predictable avenue it can just to get to the next set piece, which are impressive set pieces, but that I need kind of more than that in order to make a really interesting movie, especially what the fifth or sixth movie in this franchise already. I (laughs) technically the third, if you want to discount (laughs) all the others, you know, like according to like Jim Cameron and like everybody else, like the other sequels are just not Canon. It's like, it's this Terminator one and Terminator two. And you know, considering the stature of James Cameron within this industry, I just I wouldn't be surprised if like over time, uh, these three are the only three that people like continue to just watch, like purchase on, you know, uh, special editions as they get re-released on physical media and things like that. And the other ones just get forgotten to time, almost kind of like um, how when you look back at like certain films like within the slasher genre for like Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers or uh, Jason Voorhees, there are certain ones that are like essential. And then there are other ones that are just like so bad and they, like they exist, but like no one really gives a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I still think that the first and second Terminator are really the only ones that will endure even with this new one. Yeah. There is something fun though about like watching like Linda Hamilton definitely come back here, um, sharing the screen also with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I like that the movie starts off with Linda Hamilton scene from Terminator two. Um, I was like, I was like, okay, we're, we're getting like off on the right foot here. Like I love the mood that this is definitely like going for. And just the explanation, though, of how she's, like, reintroduced into the story and why and stuff. Like, it's great seeing Linda Hamilton at this point in her career, like, still just being this kick-ass, badass warrior that she was back in, like, the 90s. That is awesome. I love that. I'm all here for that. You yeah. know, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween just still, like, kicking ass. Like, I- I'm loving what Hollywood is doing here uh, with these women and, and, like, just showcasing that even as they're getting older in age, like, they're still just as badass as ever. Like, I love that. Yeah. But, 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 but I I just keep coming back to despite how well they're selling that aspect of it. The screenplay and the dialogue is just not helping matters sometimes, especially also, too, because like Linda Hamilton, we like her because she's badass. But the screenplay like goes out of its way to make that character still very antagonistic and unlikable. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that with what she's been through. Um, 
Although I I liked the very first clip from Terminator 2 that kind of set the mood of the film. I yeah. did not like the first scene with her and John Connor. I thought that really should not have been at the beginning of the film. I actually think that should have been excised completely. And we should have just started with um, the core group of characters in, in Mexico City. And I, just gotten like kind of like a reveal later on. Like uh, this is what happened sort of a thing. Or not even say it. Just in, just infer it. Imply it. Like I, I don't think that was necessary. I didn't think that was a very well shot sequence. I thought it was really clunky. Well, it was very, very clear they were trying so hard to hide the, the de-aging technology that they were using. Yeah, it, it just felt like it was a really bad start to the film. And I think it would have been much stronger without it. Um, but I, I do like Linda Hamilton in this movie. I think she's giving a really strong performance and it's great to see her back and in this badass mode like you said i think unfortunately it's the script that doesn't really give her a lot to do and i feel like they are trying to create this like surrogate mother uh connection with between her and danny but i feel like they never really go that far into it um, they don't really even go that far into Danny's purpose into this movie either, which is another problem. They deliberately hide it from us, which I I don't understand. I will I will say the cringiest line in the whole movie for me is when like Linda Hamilton and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember what the exact line is, but like they really, really, really like enforce it so heavily. When she just says to like Danny one point, you know, the Terminator wants you for your womb or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And I just, I was like, really? Like that, th- there's a better way to write that line and not have it come off like so forced as you just did, you know? Because uh, they're definitely trying to imply that the man inside of her is going to be like super important one day. And I, I think it's just telegraphed way, 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 way too on the nose that obviously that's not going to be the case. Like I said before, especially in terms of uh, presenting this story for a 2019 audience. And, and once again, that's like a that's like a little thing that like in terms of like a quote unquote upgrade. I appreciate it conceptually. I just don't think it's executed all that well here. Once again, going back to the screenplay again. Yeah, it, there's a lot of stuff in here where it's the execution that just really lets the movie down. And yeah, I, I agree with you. When that line comes up, it's like, uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, movie, I see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, think you're being very clever. I, I bet that was written by David Goyer. I, I'm willing to bet that. <laughs> You know, you know what? You know what was like a saving grace for me in this movie, though. Um, no pun intended. Mackenzie Davis as Grace. Yeah, I really, really loved her commitment here from a physical standpoint. Those action scenes, she was fast, she was agile, she was hard hitting. When she's swinging around like that chain or just whatever it is, fighting the Rev Nine man. Oh, I was so so here for those moments, and I I I, I actually disagree with you that. Well, I agree, like, on a storytelling level, they don't really go too, too far into the augmentation and going, like, deeper into, like, the themes of the movie as much. But having that character be played by a person who actually has genuine emotion, genuine fear, and so on and so forth, um, and then giving her kind of this this rule, quote-unquote, where she's limited – uh, because she's only allowed to have like these bursts of strength and speed every so often before she has to kind of like refuel up because of these meds. And granted, that part's a little, like I said, leaps in logic shaky in terms of like, well, what is the right combination? How, can she OD? Like the movie gets a little 
funky with that aspect it of it. Like they needed to invent a roadblock for the character. But but I like that they do that because so many times I watch movies with unstoppable beings and things like that, and there just are no rules like set for them in terms of what they can and can't do. So I, I actually just appreciated that there was some sort of an obstacle and something of a roadblock, which did create uh, moments of conflict and tension at times. You know, I mean, at times, but I think. I think for me, I found those moments of tension to be rather weak. And like, yeah, there's moments where she does slow down and she's not in full control and she needs to, you know, juice up again. But I don't think those ever happen at really critical moments in the story. And they get resolved relatively quickly with no real consequence to them. And well, what it is, it's an excuse to bring in Linda and Arnold is what it really is. Cause if she didn't have like this roadblock, um, we, there would be no need to bring on other people to also help protect Danny then, you know? Yeah. And I just feel like I, I do like Mackenzie Davis in this movie. I think she gives a really great like physical performance and she yeah. even does reach some emotional beats very well. I just think those emotional beats feel so like kind of bland to me and they're so pedestrian in what they're talking about that it was hard for me to get really invested in her as a character because everything that she was going through just did not really feel like it was all that new or interesting to me. I I will say that while I appreciate this uh, franchise's uh, commitment to always have Arnold Schwarzenegger like somehow, some way, be a part of it, um, the explanation which is given for horrible, <laughs> <laughs> like how he has like somehow thrived in society all these years. Oh god, it's, it, it, it's so so ridiculous that um, the movie I think knows that it is ridiculous and it tries to play towards Arnold's um, deadpan form of comedy here. And there were some moments where I got a nice chuckle out of it, you know, like when Linda Hamilton says your wife doesn't realize that you weigh 400 pounds. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I do think, though, I wonder if maybe some of those problems would have been excised if he didn't have a family that th- him having a family just seems to create far more questions in my mind than necessary. And it, it's already a stretch to believe that old Arnold Terminators in this film but then to give him a family, I think, was just a very odd decision. I also had questions about, like, the aging um, yeah. in terms of, like, how do T-800s uh, age? And if they are truly, like, immortal or do they have, like, a chip expiration date or something? Because, like, at what point does the skin tissue on the outside, like, decompose? And, like, is he still going to be, like, walking around like normal? Like, what? once again, what are the rules here, you know? Well, I remember in one of the movies, I can't remember which one, they mentioned something about how because it's, like, living tissue over the endoskeleton that that tissue does actually age. But, yeah. I mean, I think that was just them hand-waving something to explain why Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's old as fuck now, is still playing the Terminator. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. I, I I get it, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I... I I was a little mixed on that aspect of it. Once again, it is great seeing Arnold. Um, You know, there are some scenes clearly in the physical uh, fight scenes where, you know, it's obviously not him. It's clearly a stunt double. But then there are just some moments where, you know, you're watching Arnold just, you know, punch somebody or whatever it is. And you're just like, yeah, like, I don't know, man. Like, there there was a bit of a nostalgia aspect to this that um, made me enjoy this movie in particular much more than uh, Rise of the Machine, Salvation, and Genesis. 
it never, in my opinion, reaches the heights of the first two films. But I'm I'm very comfortable in saying that it's the third best of the franchise. Um, you know what? I actually don't know if I would agree with that necessarily. No. Well, you know what? I mean, and this is getting on a bit of a tangent. Um, okay, go. But, you know, it, it's we. I think we rant away. That. Yeah. Um, I would actually say that the most, at least the most interesting of the sequels to me is actually Salvation. I agree also, too, on a story level, like seeing the resistance actually like a movie take place from that point of view um, and having Christian Bale in that role. Like on paper, that had a lot of possibilities. And having a Terminator be essentially the main character of the movie, you know, I think that is a film that has a lot of problems to it, but it is the one sequel that at least tries to do something very different in terms of the story that's working with, the themes yeah. that it's working with. And even Terminator 2, which is excellent, basically tells the first movie story again. And like even the best movie still basically has the same story. And I give Salvation a lot of credit for trying to do something radically different. And when I think about the Terminator sequels, yeah, Salvation is not that great either, but I, it gets a lot of points for me for at least trying to do something different. Sure. I, I, I will I will agree with you on that aspect of it. I, I definitely don't think it's a good movie, though. Um, I, 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 I got to say, like, in terms of a big, dumb, wink of the eye, like, action movie that clearly is manipulating my nostalgic love for uh, Terminator 2 and The Terminator, um, I think this movie did certain things well. And then there were other things that it did. And once again, it just all goes back to that screenplay that it didn't do well, um, whether it was not digging deep enough um, into some of the themes of the movie or uh, just leaps in logic. Like I said, cheesy lines of dialogue that were just laughably bad at times and just so on the nose. It all comes down to that. But in terms of the action set pieces, um, the way those scenes are shot, um, and the commitment from the actors all involved to help sell it as best as they possibly can. I, 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 I was okay with it. I don't think it's a bad movie necessarily. I am I'm mixed on it though. I am mixed, which leads me now to uh, my final uh, grade uh, for this movie. I'm at a five out of 10, you know, it's like, there were certain things I like certain things I definitely don't like. And at the end of the day, I couldn't really tell you which way I really lean on this one. Um, but I, I'm just firmly like right in the middle of it. I wasn't upset. I didn't have a terrible time watching it while I was watching it necessarily. I didn't ever feel like I wanted to get the hell out of there right away and go do something else. Uh, But when it was over, I definitely also didn't have like a huge amount of love for it necessarily. Um, I don't even know if I would ever buy this necessarily on Blu-ray to complement Terminator and Terminator 2, which I do own on Blu-ray. But if it was on, like if I like stumbled in and my roommates were watching or something, I'd sit down and just watch it with them, you know? Yeah, uh, it's not a terrible movie. And to be honest with you, I am also at a 5 out of 10 with it. It's Oh. Yeah. It, it, it and, is, and here I thought I was leaning much more positive. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's a movie that has some decent things in it. Like when the action spectacle does start, it is engaging. And there are performance in, performances in here that I do enjoy. I just think... To me, it just falls so far down when it comes to the story that it's hard for it to rise above anything else good in the movie. It's not bad, and I think that if you are just looking for a disposable action movie, I think that's why you know my rating sounds a little bit kinder to it than how I'm talking about it is. But 
it's also just not nothing that is memorable in the slightest. And that's the reason why it's okay. It's not bad, but it is to me, it's actually rather forgettable. And I don't see myself returning to it anytime soon. You know, one last thing I will also uh, say, I forgot to mention this before as well. Um, the movie has a pro gun message. <laughs> Well, it's in Texas. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and I will just say for the record, like I am not necessarily. I'm, I'm getting a little too deep here into politics, probably, but like I, I'm not usually for that. That was something I had an issue with in Zombieland. Double Tap, for example, was its message uh, revolving around that. But here, it's like you know what? There's an audience out there. Let let them have their fun. It, it is what it is, you know. And the movie turns it into a joke moment, which. Okay. Well, also going after a very specific threat that requires that level of arsenal against it. It's right. like, hey, everybody should have this for any kind of threat out there. It's for a very specific circumstance that they're going up against. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and just one one last thing as well. Like I was saying before, I feel like Natalia Reyes uh, does take a backseat in this for a large portion of this movie uh, to some of the other uh, people involved. But when she does finally come into her own in that third act, um, and she has like her big moment, if you will, I was really, really captivated by her. And I really did buy into her as a commanding leader type, if you will. Yeah, I think the problem, though, is because the movie makes this decision to hide that information from us for some reason that I don't understand. We don't ever really get a sense to see that throughout the movie a ton. There's moments where she'll be like yelling at them to say, like, hey, include me. But that felt more just out of a character's normal frustration, not out of a sense of wanting to be a leader. And I think the story's structure really limits the impact that that character can have because they make this, I think, really stupid decision to uh, to really not show her character that much. And I think that limits her impact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I was saying before, I think she gets like over uh, certain like emotional moments for that character and early on in the script that like, I, I don't know, I just had like this feeling of... <laughs> That's not how humans behave. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't be able to just brush it off and just jump into the plot because the movie's calling for it, you know? But because they, they never like reference it again necessarily in terms of like how she feels about the whole situation and everything that, you know? Um, but all, but what I will finish off by saying, it's weird. We did like our grade then final thoughts. We usually go like any other way. Um, if you want to see more of her, uh, there's a film called Birds of Passage which uh, admittedly might be a hard movie to find, but uh, she's quite good in that, and that movie's also quite good, and I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Oh, I didn't it. know she was in that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, no Oscar potential? No. God, no. <laughs> yep. No sound. No visual effects. Um, you know, there were times where I was hoping that the visual effects would wow me a little bit more with this movie, uh, but instead the visual effects were just generic and exactly what I expected. Were They weren't bad, um, but I felt like the movie, when it relied more on the practical, like we, you were saying before, Josh, that's where it actually did uh, shine the most, especially in some of those like hand to hand, um, you know, fight sequences with Mackenzie Davis and also with um, uh, Gabriel Luna. Um, that like that scene in the factory with the two of them uh, was was awesomely choreographed, I thought, and just how they did like the combat, you know? Yeah. Although I find it interesting that we didn't really talk about Gabriel Luna all that much as the main Terminator. But he doesn't like talk or do anything really, you know? No, but I feel like, you know, Robert Patrick didn't really do that much either, but I felt he was able to capture that so much better in, in terms of just having that be a menacing presence than 
than Luna did, unfortunately. Well, you know what would make this you know what would make this very interesting? Um, and listen, I don't think they're going to do another one of these now for a little bit. At this point, if they do, it would have to be like a crazy reboot. Like, let's just get rid of the whole John Connor, um, like aspect of things and just do something set in this world, but with an entirely new story. But one thing that they could do is if they're able to augment, um, a soldier and have her be upgraded with like machine like capabilities, why not give then the antagonist a bit more of a personality, and have like an actor really like chew into that. I, I, like that was something I was kind of hoping for from this. He did play it more like Robert Patrick, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like they tried to give it, the Terminator a little bit more personality with Genesis, but everything about the execution of that film is bad. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't really remember a thing about Genesis other than just how upset I was when it was over. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Genesis. Genesis is always a movie that I look at and I will uh, instantly say it's bad, but there are interesting things in it that it just doesn't choose to explore, which is the most frustrating thing about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got no more thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so. Oh, I I think I would just uh, mention one more thing. Yeah. Um, There are two shots of Mackenzie Davis's ass in this movie and none of Gabriel Luna, and I took note of that. <laughs> I, I do I do admit the first scene where uh, it's like they're trying to hide Mackenzie Davis's nudity and uh, the way they're using like the shadows and the lighting and things like that. I just remember watching and thinking to myself like... <laughs> I love when movies do that. I love when they just come up with, like, uh, creative ways to try and hide these things. Oh, yeah. They, they tried to hide. But then it's also, like, when Luna shows up, you immediately get the woman, like, holding the shirt that's blocking his, yes. his back. And it's like, <laughs> yes. okay, I'm, I'm watching Game of Thrones now? Okay, I, I see. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because this is an R-rated uh, film. The last two were PG-13, you know? Exactly. So So why not? It was just a little moment that I had to take note of. <laughs> okay, I hear you. <laughs> All right, Josh, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Terminator Dark Fate here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Da da dun da dum. Da da dun da dum. We got it. Uh, had to find a way to work that in there somewhere. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> every movie has to as well. <laughs>